0: Hope you guys are having a great day today. Welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spositi program. We talk about financial freedom and economics. Guys, what is up? I've had a wonderful week so far. uh, So far, it's uh, not kicking off to be too bad of a week. Uh, I apologize. Uh, Many of you, if you guys are are listening to the show, you you know I I normally try to do at least two episodes a week, and uh, last week I really only got one episode out. And the main reason for that was largely just uh, had a lot of technical difficulties with my trading videos. Um, usually the second episode is more entrepreneurial trading investing oriented and it's normally because that episode is taken from an excerpt of my weekly market analysis videos that I do on YouTube for my trading. So I'm kind of doing two different things, right? I've got Matthew Spazitti, uh on New like YouTube and whatnot, where I don't really focus on economics and things of that nature. And I focus really more on just trading, investing, personal finance, or, is it, or at least I, I focus. Almost exclusively on Forex trading so far. I would like to eventually expand that to be more investing, personal finances, you know, stuff of that nature. You know, money, right? <laughs> what to do with your money once you got it and how you can grow the money or maintain its value, things of that nature. And, you know, overall, I, I love trading, uh, Forex trading and options trading. I love, you know, investing. I, I love all that kind of stuff, personal finances. And, you know, in the end, I really wanted to to do a lot more uh, videos r- with that stuff in mind. Uh, but you know, we're gonna ha- uh, eventually I will. But I'm still trying to get the kinks worked out of this new camera that I got. Just the settings are, I don't know what it is, but when I record and I know nothing about filmography or, uh, you know, videography, whatever you want to call it. I I know nothing about it. I really don't. And the biggest issue that I have is when I actually set the camera to start recording, I I turn on my softbox lights and everything, and everything's bright and looks nice. And then all of a sudden, it starts to dim after a a little bit of time recording, After well, actually, after a long time recording. And then I couldn't get it to brighten up again. And then on top of all that, I also had other issues, too, where I'm still getting a lot of noise in the background Um, particularly on like darker surfaces and whatnot. And I don't really know what's causing that. Um, or at least I didn't, I've done a lot of studies and, and research on it. It Turns out it's, it's the ISO was too high. So, um, I have it, I have the ISO now on auto and I'm hoping that the ISO won't kick up enough to, to do some, to, to cause that kind of, uh, noise and whatnot, which gives it just kind of a grainy look, which the whole reason I bought this camera was because my camcorder did that, right? My camcorder had this horrible amount of graininess and you know knowing nothing about, you know, videography or or filming or anything of the sort, you know, I I didn't know what the cause of it was. So I had no idea and you don't get a lot of uh settings options with your with this tiny little camcorder that I had, it was a Canon Vixia, I think HF R800 I think it was. Yeah, okay, it was the R800. I actually have it on the desk right here with me. I forgot I had it there. And um so anyways, you, know, you don't get a ton of settings with that one, so with the Sony a6400, you get a lot more settings, and it was highly complicated. So I finally watched a few YouTube videos, and I found a, a channel that does tons of videos with this camera, and they basically say, look, if you're going to do you know vlogging, just set, put, put your camera under these settings and just leave it you know, that way you can, you can be ready to shoot and stuff of that nature. So I think, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm hoping I can get a really crisp and clear image with no graininess, with no noise. And that's what I'm really hoping for, but we're just going to have to see. Unfortunately, I am in an office where I share it with my wife. We don't have curtains over the windows. So the changing in light due to the day and everything that, certainly does affect the videos and whatnot. But anyways, I had some technical difficulties and just a lot of frustration. I mean, I got really frustrated with it. And I just decided I'm not going to do a trading video that week. And I, I don't know if that was the best decision in the world, but I figured, you know, I mean... The main reason I decided it that was because over the weekend, last weekend, we had a lot of family stuff that was planned. We were going to go see my in-laws and hang out with them, and they wanted to see my, my our little girl. And then, you know, then we wanted to go uh, see my parents the fall on Sunday, which we didn't actually end up seeing because there was some nervousness about them being exposed to someone who was sick. So, of course, you know, we decided to play it safe and not really you know, just not really go and hang out with them and whatnot, just to, you know, next weekend, we're going to see him next weekend, and we had already seen him, like, the weekend before anyway, so, you know, but anyway, so we had all this stuff planned and, and whatnot, so I was thinking to myself, if I record a video, I don't want to be editing and publishing the video over the weekend, you know, uh, I can't because I got all this family stuff, ta- you know, to take care of, so, you know, I mean, I'll tell you what, one thing that I find very fascinating, and I know this isn't talking about anything that we normally talk about on the show, but yeah, just kind of giving you guys an update on my life, right? But what I, one thing I find very fascinating is that before, when it was just my wife and I, you know, getting in the car and going and seeing family was no big deal at all. And I already knew this was going to be a problem when we had a child. I just, and, and tons of people were telling me, it just, it, you don't really fully understand how complicated it is to get your child in the car, to get all the stuff that you need for them. And then when you get there and you're actually hanging out, you got to watch the time because you know, your daughter or your son, they, your, your child has to go down at a certain amount of time and, you know, it, or at a certain time of the day, you know, for us, we try to put our daughter down around 8 p.m. And so in order to do that, in order not to get her off on her sleep schedule, which makes our lives miserable, if that happens, we got to head home a lot earlier than we normally would. It's just a whole host of things. that's just kind of just stuff you don't really think about until you have kids. So instead of leaving at, uh, you know, nine, like we, we typically would have just to, you know, I mean, it takes us almost, it takes us a while to get out there. Uh, uh, because we kind of live on the edge of the countryside and whatnot uh largely because that's where we that, that that's how we could afford houses we had to pr- go fairly far out just to be able to buy a home and um and whatnot so but i mean not only that but in order to get out there to see family you know it's just it takes a while to get there. So we like to usually stay for a while. And we particularly, we used used to stay somewhere on eight or nine sometimes, Um, you know, and it, it took us forever to get home and whatnot. So, but the last time we did that with my daughter, that was not a good idea. And she had a hard time sleeping and she was just all cranky and upset. So we're like, you know, we just need to head home a lot earlier. So we ended up leaving around like I think seven thirty or something like that. So, it, but it's just, you know, going anywhere with a ten-month-old is just, my gosh, it, it's a lot more complicated than what it was when my wife and I just, it was just the two of us and we didn't have any children. So, it's it, it's a huge blessing. I'm very very happy to have her. Don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining, but it is different, and it's uh, important if you guys are thinking about having kids, you know, just keep that in mind, you know, it's, uh, once you start having kids, the, the amount of freedom that you have in your, your life is, uh, pretty much gone, (laughs) you just consider that to be gone, you, you can't just get up and go to a restaurant whenever you want, you know, you can't just get up and, uh, Go do whatever you want at any given point in time. Like, my wife and I, we were able to do that at one point, and, you know, now we, now we can't. So, you know, but hey, she's getting older and older and older, which is a bittersweet. It's, it's kind of sad, to be honest. I, I, I have cried. I have I have cried over it a little bit. It's like, man, I can't I can't believe, in the past, obviously. You know, like when she was really little and stuff, and she and then we were moving her out of the bedroom and stuff. It's like she it, the cutest thing. I'm gonna tell you guys this. There's one cu- really cute thing. Uh, well, okay, there's tons of cute things that my daughter has done, but you know when when she was sleeping in the bedroom with us, she we had her in her pack and play right next to the bed. Um, and uh, well, in the mornings when I would wake up. She would pop her head over the side of the pack and play, and she would just give you the biggest toothless smile you've ever seen, and she'd be so happy to see you and, and whatnot. And it was, and, and she, and once she started doing this one time, then she started doing it all the time. And when when I was laying in bed, when my wife and I were laying in bed, she would like look up over the crib. You know, she was on her stomach. You know, she. She didn't know how to, uh, you know, move around too much. So she would look up over as much as she could, stretching her neck up there, and see if she could see us if we were awake. And when we were, you know, she would just give us the biggest smile. And oh, I even have a picture of it on my phone. It is one of the most precious memories I, I will ever have, and that of, of having a child. It is just so cute. And when we moved her out of the room for the very first time a while ago, and you know, months and months ago at this point, you know. it it was sad. It was bittersweet to me. It's like, on the one hand, I'm happy because we don't have, my wife and I don't have to be super quiet when we come in and get ready for bed, you know, brush our teeth, stuff like that. You know, now we have our room back to ourselves and that is nice. But then on the other hand, it's like, that was so cute. And I'm never going to get that ever again. And I guess that's one, if I can give you guys any advice, and I know, again, this is off topic from what we normally talk about, right? If you guys have young kids, cherish every moment with them when they're young. Because in the end, you're not going to get that back. And as sad as that is, and as depressing as that is, it's the truth. You know, it's one of the most... It's a bittersweet thing of having kids. Is that you, 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 you learn who they are when they're young. They're so cute and adorable and everything. And then when they get older, gosh, man. They just it hurts to you. You're happy and you're proud. You know, my daughter's crawling now. Can you believe it? I mean, I can't even believe it. I mean, I can't even, I mean, it seems like yesterday that she could barely, you know, roll over and now she's crawling and she's crawling fast. Now I have to follow her around the house and make sure she doesn't get into stuff. You know, I mean, my job is pretty much to watch her during the day. Uh, when my wife is working. So usually I come in, I do a little bit of work in the mornings when she's still asleep. And then I work in the evenings when my wife is done working. And that—that that is generally speaking, how it all goes. And in all honesty, it's just, it's just crazy you know, it's just absolutely crazy. It's just how it's bittersweet, you know, when she's growing up and stuff like this and it just, it really is. So just cherish every single moment that you have because when, when your daughter or your son, when they grow up, man, you're never going to get that time back ever. Time is such a precious resource and it's the only non-renewable resource that we have. Um, yeah, it's, it's never, ever going to, we're never going to get it back. So make sure to don't blow it off thinking that, oh yeah, you know, I'll, I'll just, I have to work, man. I got to work. I got to make money. You know, that's fine. I get that. But make sure you you block out a decent amount of time for your, your kids. You know, you don't want to miss that. All right. And, and I know there's a lot of times when we just, we can't help it, but try your best to not do it because you, you again, we, we can't, if you miss it, you're never going to get it back. So don't just think it's okay to, uh, to, you know, blow, blow off family time because you have to work, you know, it's all good and well to be loyal to your career and stuff, but just know that when your employer is done with you, they're just going to lay you off. They're not going to cry about it. That, you you know, you are only as valuable as your skill set is right. And in the end, when they deem that your skills are no longer valuable to them, they're just going to lay you off. That's it. Some employers will be nicer than that, will help you find another job and th- maybe even, you know, do stuff of that nature. But in reality, that's it. So many people work so hard for other companies and employers and stuff of that nature. And in the end, I mean, it's not like they're going to be there at your, your funeral. In the end, they don't care about you. I mean, th- th- there is a certain level that they care about you, but when they got to lay you off, they're going to lay you off and, they may- and they're not going to hesitate. Your family is more important than that. Do not just justify not hanging out with your family, not spending time with your family for work, thinking that your work is more important. Because in the end, your family is more important. And I, I understand that we have to do work and stuff, but don't don't be married to your work, right? Make sure that you're spending time with your family because you ain't getting that time back. And it's sad. It's sad. a lot. A lot of Americans do that today, you know. The husbands or the wives, they go out and they work over and over and over and over and over again. They work really long. They work like dogs, really. Gosh, dang, man, they work like dogs. They sacrifice so much time with their families. Their children grow up, and while they're in basically daycare, and they really only they don't see them very much. You know, their their children are in public schools, which, you know, I have a, a whole slew of opinions about. But again. It's just, it's one of those things, ladies and gentlemen, that don't, that you're not going to get it back. It's just, it isn't going to happen. So keep that in mind, you know? Anyways, that being said, guys, we've talked about that for a while now. So let's go ahead and jump into the topic today. Um, The topic today is coronavirus is over. COVID-19 is over. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. Sorry, to this day, I, I still can't say it without joking, without saying it in that tone of voice, but uh, without kind of jokingly say. It. But yeah, no, it's over. It's effectively over. Numbers are falling across, you know, almost across the board. They're falling in many, many, many different places in the U.S. of A. And the main reason this is all happening is because in the end, it, it, w- it wasn't a problem in the first place. That, that's going to enrage a lot of you people who aren't really of my mindset and you're not really, you know, that uh, skeptical, conservative, libertarian type. I mean, hey, I mean, you could be a, a skeptical left-wing liberal for all I care. I don't really don't care. What I care about is really just more that you understand what's really going on in the world. And, and, and to be completely fair with you, we've all been hoodwinked. We have all been tricked. We have all been lied to. Coronavirus was never an issue. Coronavirus was never, ever a problem. You know, the amount of people who are dying from it, not really an issue, not, not really a problem to be worried about. You know, and even if you actually look at the death rate, okay, so let's, let, let's do this. The, the, from, from the U.S. numbers alone, the percentage of U.S. with the actual virus is only 1.74%, okay? That's really not that much at all. Okay, so less than 2% of the population even has the virus. Okay, so right away, that's not a big deal. Okay, 1.74% is, it, it really is not a, a, an issue whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> there's more, more car accidents happen in the U.S. than that. All right? So first, So for starters, we could say that. And then on top of that, the death rate of the number of cases is like 3.07%. Again, it's under 4%, ladies and gentlemen. Even if it was 4%, I wouldn't think that was that big of a deal. 3.07% is not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a number. It just isn't. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. It it just isn't. And and on top of that, these numbers are totally manipulated. These numbers are totally inaccurate. You can't even trust these numbers. So the number of death rate and the number of people who have contracted COVID-19 is even less than the official numbers say because you can't even trust them. They're totally inaccurate. People are coming in for gunshot wounds and, and and biker accidents, and yet they're being they're being classified as COVID cases just because they had the COVID nineteen. Yet they weren't even in the hospital for that reason, and it had and the reason they were in the hospital had nothing to do with the virus. They are considering these people already basically as COVID nineteen patients despite the fact that they are not actually in there for a covid-19 related issue on top of that the the tests give false positives all the time they're not the tests are not accurate i know one lady well she's a friend of my family okay i don't i don't personally know her she's a friend of of my family one of my family members actually works with her okay and the, and she was sent she was coming down with an illness and she was getting sick and whatnot and she was just bad so she went to the hospital she thought she had the virus which is something that everybody does that's another thing too so many people they just go straight to the hospital and even though it's like they don't really know what they have they just freak out thinking it's the virus so they're like oh I'm gonna die. I gotta go to the hospital you know that, that, it's pretty much the, the thought process behind most people uh, and you get a lot of people that go in there, that don't have the virus at all. And in her case, that was the case. At first, the first test that they did with her said that she did have the virus. And then they did two other or three other tests and all the other tests came back negative. And the doctor basically said, yeah, you don't actually have the virus. You have like a bacterial infection of some kind. And yet they tested her positive initially and then they did more testing, I think think a total of three. So two more testings that said that she wasn't and they ended up classifying her as not having COVID-19 at all. Well, this is quite interesting because now I'm wondering, okay, so since the hospital tested you originally for it and they said that you had it, are you now counted as one uh, as, as to the numbers of people who had it, even though you didn't have it, even though they came back and they said that you didn't have it? Did you now just get added to the numbers? I wouldn't be surprised. Look, the reason hospitals are behaving in this manner, and the reason I wouldn't be surprised is because hospitals make money. They actually get paid for every COVID-19 case that comes their way. Every time they can report another COVID-19 case, they make money. You want to know why? Because the freaking government, in its infinite wisdom, came out and basically stated that you can no longer do elective surgeries and elective procedures. So non-life-threatening stuff. Well, guess what? That's a huge revenue stream for the hospitals. That's a massive revenue stream. Have you ever tried to, have you ever been to a hospital? Have you ever seen the massive amount of employees they have, the massive amount of buildings? You even know how much it costs to keep a place like that running? A lot of times they don't even own the buildings. You know who owns the buildings? A real estate investment trust. So basically, a bunch of realtors or a bunch of investors who pool their money together and put it into this trust. And then that money is used to build these hospitals. And then a a big hospital company like, say, uh, you know, Baylor Scott and White, they come in and they rent out the hospital. And maybe it's a Methodist hospital or something of that nature. Uh, Some Methodist, you know, hospital Methodist corporation comes out and they rent it and they pay a rental fee. Guys, the rental fees on those are insane. The leases are, are massive, okay? They really, they really can be. So, don't t- so I mean, it, it costs a lot of money. So when you start telling the hospitals who probably don't, I, I would be surprised. I mean, if, if restaurants operate on razor-thin margins, I would be awfully surprised if hospitals don't also operate on pretty small margins as well. Mar- when I'm talking about margins, I mean profit margins, right? So I, I, I don't know for sure. I don't, I've never looked at the finances of hospitals before, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, and they don't have a ton of uh, profit margins, you know, and whatnot. So that said though, even if I'm wrong with that, I know that the elective surgeries, elective procedures pulled in a lot of revenue for these hospitals, but the, the, the government said, well, okay, since we're not allowing you to do these elective surgeries, these elective procedures, because it's an emergency situation. We are, in effect, going to pay you for every single COVID-19 case that comes into your doors. So what does that incentivize the hospitals to do? Test every freaking person who comes in the door, and the minute they say that they have COVID-19, whether that's really the reason they're there or not, classify them as having it, report it, and get paid. You might think that this is incredibly unethical for for hospitals to do, but in the in reality, you took away a very legitimate aspect of their business, and now you're telling them to you know you don't even know the kind of effects. I mean, do you really think the government understands the kind of effects financially it has on hospitals when they tell them that they can't do certain things and they can't that we're actually providing fairly large revenue streams? Do you really think that the government understands? How that truly affects the hospital's bottom, dollar, you know, bottom line? I guarantee you, they have no idea. It's not like they've done mathematical equations and looked into the finances of these hospitals and done their due diligence, guys. The vast majority of politicians, as I have stated on this show, are thieves, and the vast majority of them are pretty much incompetent and and just inept. They're 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 ill-educated, they're ignorant, and they're arrogant. I wouldn't trust a politician to save my life. There are only a handful of politicians out there that I actually kind of like, and for the most part, those politicians are only there because their constituents allow them to be, and because their constituents like the fact that they're conservative and things of that nature, and they're really, like, you know, pro-free markets and, and regulation. But the, the, these these politicians are, are largely the minorities, okay? They're not the majorities. There's only, like, a handful of them, because politics incentivizes corrupt people. Politics incentivizes people to be corrupt. It incentivizes people to do things that benefit themselves at the expense of everyone else. Politics attracts the worst people in society. You know, if you don't, look, if you, listen to my show for any length of time, you know that this is how I feel about the subject. Uh, you know I don't like democracy. I just did an episode on that not that long ago. I think last, last week, in fact. I, I hate democracy. Anything that has a democratic aspect to it, I don't like, and I don't like republics either, okay? But the fact remains, ladies and gentlemen, that politicians, they, they, they don't know. They're, they're, they're in charge of so many aspects of the economy, and they have no idea how, how any of it works. They have no idea. And yet they have the ability to regulate. And yet they have the ability to tell business owners what they can and cannot do in those industries. I mean, I don't know about you, but that, that that's kind of shocking. I mean, it's not shocking in the sense it's surprising because we, we've been dealing with this for a long period of time, right? So we know that this stuff happens all the time. It's just, it's just, it's it baffles. It baffles me. It really does. It, it really, really baffles me a lot. And it's just, it baffles me how nobody else talks about it either. And that, that, that bugs me to, to no way but anyways that being said though um that's why hospitals are incentivized to do this right so you can't even trust the numbers that are coming out of of the us or even the world for that matter you can't trust them everybody's inflating their numbers or at least they were now you're starting to hear more and more news stories about how numbers are falling to all-time lows and they have been falling week over week over week over week and now they're, they're constantly falling and you know there's The reason I say that COVID-19 is over is because the whole thing was a sham in the first place. Now, I'm not trying to say the virus didn't exist. The virus surely existed, but the virus was never a real problem to begin with. The virus was a non-issue. It was nothing anybody should ever have been fearful of. The vast majority of people that are getting this virus aren't even dying from it. Okay, the vast majority of people that are getting it don't even know that they have it. And again, even if you go by the numbers, death rates only three point seven zero or 3.07%. The number of people who have it is only 1.74% in the US. Okay, those numbers are nothing to be worried about, even 3.07%. Okay, that's 100. For those of you who don't know, that's 177,339 people out of 5,773,618. Now, depending on where you're going, you might get different numbers, okay? But these are the numbers that I was able to come up with just by Google searching and doing a little bit of research. That's not that much, people! Okay? If I was to divide 177,339 people, the amount of people who have died by the U.S. population, it won't be 3.07%. It would even be smaller than that. That death rate that I just quoted, the 3.07%, is... The COVID deaths divided by the number of cases, okay? If I was to divide the number of deaths by the U.S. population, guys, it, 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 it <laughs> it's not even worth mentioning. This is not anything that anybody needs to worry about. And I don't mean to downplay the number of people who have died from this, okay? I don't mean to be disrespectful by saying this, all right? The fact of the matter is that, yes, if you have a family member who has died, I do sympathize with you. It's an awful thing, okay? It is a terrible thing for people to have died from a disease like this. But, you know, in reality, it's no different from people dying from the flu. Now, I know the flu numbers are nowhere near the same as COVID-19 numbers, but again, the COVID-19 numbers can't even be trusted. They're totally inflated. They're totally falsified in many ways. So, look, what I'm trying to say here more so than anything else, is that the the amount of, of hysteria and the amount of the narrative has been totally manipulated. That is what the sham is. The sham is not that the virus exists. The sham is the fact that we've got a media and we've got a government that is playing the sucker up as much as they possibly can, saying how dangerous it is. This is a killer virus. And in reality, it isn't. It's not even something that any one of us really need to be worried about. It's not even something that any one of us even need to be concerned over. Because the numbers aren't even real. They're not even legitimate. You really think that 3% of all the people who have this have died? First of all, that means that 97% of the people who get this are perfectly fine. Or at least they haven't died. They've recovered. 97%. Okay, so 3% is not a lot, but it's all, but, but that number's fake. You can't even trust that number. That number isn't even real. The number is way under 3%. I mean, if you go into the hospital and, and you basically get tested for COVID-19, yet while you're there, you end up dying with a heart attack or a stroke, they're going to classify you as dying from COVID-19, not necessarily dying from... heart attack or stroke now and here's the real thing is did the virus cause the heart attack or the stroke or were you already susceptible to the heart attack and the stroke and you were going to die of that anyways and that's really the question that's really hard to answer but that's something that's happening another thing that's happening is that stuff like that in my opinion if you die because of a heart attack or stroke you should be classified as dying due to those things not because of some underlying sickness like COVID-19 that you may or may not have had. So anyways, that being said though, guys, look, the virus itself is real, like I just said, but outside of the virus, the hype over it and the danger that it honestly poses to the population of the world, not just the United States, is really minimal. It really is. It's not anything that needs to be worried about. This has been purposefully hyped and purposely orchestrated to freak everyone out into being compliant. They want you to capitulate. They want you to be compliant. And that's the whole purpose of this. And I felt that way really from the start of it all. Now, at one point in time, I started thinking, okay, you know, my wife was kind of freaking out about it. And I was, and, and you know, she, and I was like, okay, is this really some, is this, is there really anything to this? And at one point in time, I think I worried a little bit about it. But even then, I was pretty darn sure that this is still, you know, BS. That it's really not anything that anybody needs to be concerned over. Okay? I mean, look, even by their own numbers, it's not something to be concerned over. And those numbers are false. The numbers are way lower than, than what they're actually reporting. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that the overall hype, the fear that's been going on, anything the media says, anything that the government says, don't listen to it all. It's all fake. All the media that they're saying, all this hype, all this fear that they are driving home, that they are creating, ginning up, is totally illegitimate. And it's not worth anybody worrying about. It just isn't. It just isn't. So, you know, and, and the reason that I say it's over is because now you, you're starting to see a a pivoting, a shift in the overall ta- how they talk about the virus. They're starting to see an overall shift that this was a killer virus. It's going to kill everyone. Wear a mask. Wear face shields. You know, by the way, I think that's ludicrous. I hate wearing masks. I don't wear them unless the business mandates that I have it on. And even then, the type of mask that I wear is not a mask that would probably do a thing. I mean, it would it would block someone maybe sneezing or coughing on me. But even the data regarding whether masks are really all that effective is largely um, up for grabs. You would be hard-pressed to find peer-reviewed articles that actually state that wearing a mask has any, has any real effect on whether or not you contract a virus or not. In fact, there have been many studies that actually show that there really is no tie, there really is no correlation between wearing the mask and not getting sick. There really isn't. They've done lots of studies on it, and so far, there's not a whole lot of studies that have actually shown that that is the case. Turns out, n- none of these studies were, were able to show that there was any real correlation between the two. You know, kind of like what they, st- what they stated at the very start of this, that ma- wearing masks isn't really all that effective. Granted, they had totally different reasons for saying that. They said that because they were afraid that everybody would buy up masks and stuff, and then there wouldn't be enough to go out for hospital personnel. But still, their statement wasn't wrong. Their statement, you can't actually definitively disprove what they said, that it's in, that, that, that it was ineffective to wear a mask, because there is not enough information to definitively say that the masks actually help. In point of fact, I mean, obviously, they block expectorants, right? They block you sneezing, they block you spitting. You know, they they block that kind of stuff, right? Of course, coughing, whatnot. Yeah, sure. But the particles of the virus, a lot of people are claiming, a lot of studies are claiming, are so small that they pass through pretty much any form of any form of mask whatsoever. And that the, these masks really do not prove or show that they you know, block the virus and prevent you from getting sick. If anything, the masks have been shown to actually make you sick in other ways. That, that one lady that I described earlier in the episode that went in and they originally classified her as having the virus and then they came back with two other tests and said they don't and that she was had a bacterial infection. You know what actually caused it? Her mask. She didn't change her mask out all the time. Like she very rarely did. She was just wearing the same mask week in, week out. That was effectively what she was doing. She was constantly wearing the mask when she was with customers and things of that nature. And she was just wearing the same one. Now they were disposable masks. She didn't throw it away. She didn't get a new one. Okay. If it was a cloth mask, you know, I don't think she, you know, clearly people are wearing these masks over and over and over again, pretty much every day, even in their cars. I've seen people wear them in their cars. Freaking A. Are you, are you kidding me? Are you that much of a pleb? You're that much of a rube? I mean, you really, you're not even around anybody that you don't know whether had the virus or not, and yet here you are, you're wearing it in a car. Look, this virus is not airborne, okay? It's not out in the air, outside. You know, I, I just, it, it's, it's not. It's not outside. The, wi- the, the wind, the, the the environment is killing that off. It, it's just, it, it, it's not. You don't need to be worried about it being airborne and you getting it from being outside because that would be the only reason. Basically, you're thinking that the virus is outside and therefore your your car is going to suck the virus into the air and the filter is not going to block it. And then basically, you know, the ventilation system is going to feed the virus right into your car and basically kill you. I mean, these people, I just, come on, grow a brain. It just makes me so mad. It just, it really does. But anyways, the the, the fact remains, ladies and gentlemen, that this is over. You're going to start seeing, a shift. You're starting to see it right now. And actually, this was a theory that was uh, proposed to me by another podcast that I listened to and whatnot by other people. But ultimately, the theory was, we said, you see, both the Democrats and the Republicans have all stated that neither one of them want mail-in ballots because of all the corruption that and the cheating that can go on in the mail-in ballots. For whatever reason, our our fearless leaders, are are you know, overlords, for whatever reason, they can't seem to, in their infinite wisdom, cannot appear to come up with a way to allow us to vote online via our cell phones or via the internet. I I don't understand why, but apparently they can't, they're, they're not doing that, which I would imagine would have less corruption behind it. Although you could always hack it and manipulate the numbers, I'm sure. So there's always going to be a way to cheat. Even in person, there's a way to cheat. But that being said, though, for whatever reason, they can't seem to figure a way how to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. You know, they're completely incompetent in the first place. But the fact remains, ladies and gentlemen, is that freaking a, I mean, they both don't want both sides of the political spectrum. They don't want you to be able to vote via mail-in ballots. So what they're going to do here is they're going to start pivoting the message and they're going to start downplaying the virus. In fact, they may even start saying the virus is over. That we can't keep this charade up anymore. It was never an issue in the first place. They're not going to say that, but they're going to say the virus is over. They're going to start saying the virus numbers are not anything anybody needs to worry about. Basically, that they need to kill the virus off before the election. Otherwise, people are not going to get out and they're not going to vote. That's the theory right there. And so far, ever since I heard that theory, I'm seeing evidence to suggest that it is actually true. I'm just, now I'm starting to see numbers all around, you know, numbers from all the different states. A, a lot of the numbers are starting to come down and they're hitting like all week, you know, week over week they're getting lower and lower and lower. Whereas before they were only ever rising. See, now that the narrative has shifted, now the now that the that the the incentive is no longer to keep people addicted to the fear and no longer to get them to capitulate. Now you want them to get out and vote, but you basically cause them to freak the crap out over effectively a non-issue. So now you got to basically say all of a sudden within 30 days, this virus is over supposedly. And I haven't even actually found this, but there are actual publications. Like I've even heard that the New York times published an article. And again, I, I was unable to find it. So Take it for what it's worth, but I've heard of, of publications who are coming out and saying that basically we could be over and this could be over in 30 days. That's fascinating. 30 days, seriously? With how much you guys overhyped this? With how much you guys like drew, d- like just drove the freaking stake in the freaking fear in? I mean, with how much fear they created? With how much freaking just? With the pandemonium that they caused, with the shutdowns, with the news media, you know, with with the freaking government coming out and all that stuff, with with you know, Fauci, with all the amount of, of fear and and whatnot that they ginned up over this non-issue virus. Now they're saying it can be fixed in thirty days. I mean, freaking a. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you've fallen for this, you know, I mean, come on. You know, I've, I've basically been thinking, you know, from day one, I've been saying this isn't an issue. It's never has been. I was even thinking it was an issue. Even when the podcast that I listened to, even when my mentors were all fearful of this and saying, oh, well, maybe there's some legitimacy to it. I was saying, no, there's not. It's all a ruse. It's all a lie. You can't trust a thing that they say. And even then, the, the the podcast, the guy, the 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 hosts and stuff for those podcasts, they were even saying, you know what? I normally wouldn't believe this, but you know, maybe there is some truth to this. I don't know. And I'm like, you know, I, no, 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 no. Do not fall prey to this. This is nothing to be to have an issue with. Yes, at one point in time, you know, because my wife was worried and stuff, I was looking at the numbers. I'm like, is it really anything to honestly worry about? But even then, I was like, hey. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care if there are people dying in the streets. There is no justification to lock the entire economy down or 30% or whatever the number was. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for locking the, the economy down and freaking, you know, killing people's livelihoods. You know, the amount of deaths that have actually resulted from this virus. I wouldn't be surprised if the amount of deaths that have resulted because of the unavailability of of medical care strokes heart attacks suicide rates wouldn't be surprised the amount of people that died because of those reasons far in and, and wide exceed the number of deaths from covid-19 i wouldn't even be surprised you know what i've even done an episode on that Freaking Lancet came out and said that in 2008, because people didn't have access to medical care, an excess 227,000 people died of cancer because they didn't get the care. 227,000 people in excess. If I remember the number correctly, I think that's what I said in that episode. This was out by the Lancet, guys. Pretty big publication, mind you. From what I believe, I think they're very influential and they're very, very well known in in the field. But that being said, though, seriously... There's only been 177,000 people who have died from the coronavirus. And now you're trying to tell me that more people haven't died in suicide rates, you know, strokes, heart attacks, because you basically killed their livelihood. Oh, and not access to care too. Not access to care that you deemed unnecessary. How many cancer patients didn't go in because they were afraid of getting the virus and they didn't get tested early enough and they chose not to because of the fear And now it's too late. They're basically going to die of of cancer. Anybody ever think about that? Betcha you haven't. I bet you the vast majority never did. We have more than likely killed more people with the shutdowns, the lockdowns, whatever you want to call them, than the virus itself. As a nation, we should be ashamed of our behavior. We really should. We should be ashamed that we listened to the government in the first place. They're incompetent. They're inept. They're constantly trying to manipulate and control us, and not within our benefit, but within their own, at the expense of us. We should be ashamed for listening to them, not for being worried about some virus that we knew nothing about for a long time. I was skeptical from day one, and there was a little bit time in the, in the middle there where I was like, eh, is there any legitimacy? Let's see. But even then, I was never in justification. I was never I never stood for lockdowns or anything of the sort. I said it would it would destroy our economy. Our economy was not on a healthy footing. Our economy is not prepared for this. Savings were at an all-time low before all this was happening. Savings are are now increasing as a result of all of it. Look, the fact remains is that it's not an issue. And now that you know nobody wants to do mail in ballots, which is fine you know I, I don't really have an issue with i'm not voting you know i'm not going to vote i don't really think that voting does anything but anyways this is another episode for another time the fact remains is that i don't you know the the narrative is shifting now that it is out of the government it's no longer in the government's interest to continue the fear to continue the narrative now that it's no longer within their interest to do so And they have, in effect, caused maximum damage to the economy. You see, that's what they really wanted to do in the first place. They wanted to cause damage to the economy. They wanted the economy to crash. You know why? Because in crisis situations like this, lots of companies, lots of people's pockets get lined with money. And not companies that are having issues with surviving. There, when the Federal Reserve came out and basically stated that they were going to start buying up bonds, guess what? A lot of companies, companies like Apple, started issuing bonds. I think like something like $8 billion worth, if I'm remembering correctly. I may not, but I think that it was something around those lines. $8 billion. Even if I'm wrong, I know the number was somewhere in the billions. It's a lot of money. And Apple has more cash on hand than the freaking United States government does. You're telling me they needed a bailout? They needed money? No, they didn't need money. These crises are always used to gain more power and control from the government. Or the government's going to gain more power and control. And it's always used to line the pockets of politicians and businesses. Corporations that are in bed with them. Crony capitalism. Okay? This isn't a capitalism. This is a crony capitalism. This is a corrupt, manipulated system. You feel like the system set up against you? It is. It's corrupt. It's manipulated. It is set up against you. And that's what this is. That's what these crises are always used for. 2008, 2009. Or 2008 financial crisis, same thing. The dot-com bubble, same thing. Every single crisis that is used to line the pockets of people who don't really need the money... They just want the money. in the pockets of politicians. Line the pockets of of corrupt corporations that get in bed with those politicians. And also for the government to gain more power and more control and to, in effect, take more freedoms away from you. And because they can create the crisis, most people valuing safety and security over freedom and liberty are more than willing to hand them their freedom and liberty for the false image, the illusion of safety and security, which none of it, which it's, it's really not. And it's sad. It really is. But guys, Hey, look, um, I overall, I think it's a positive thing. Once the narrative shifts and people start getting away from this virus, more and more people will start engaging in the economy again they'll start to live their lives again they'll stop putting their lives on hold hopefully mask mandates will go away hopefully if you're in a locked down state the lockdowns will go away and everything will go back to the way that it was now granted we're going to have to start dealing with a lot of economic issues now the new issues are going to be heavily economic i mean guys we are staring down the barrel we are right on the, the, the tip right on the edge of the next uh, of the of possibly a depression, we're already in a recession. Okay, this economy has not recovered. We are in a recession, we are in one already. We just haven't felt the fear of it, we just haven't felt the, the, the effects of it largely because we've been so distracted from the virus and the numbers. Just the attention on the economy just hasn't been there. People just aren't worrying about it, they're not talking about it. So largely the effects of, this, uh, of the economy is, is going to be, uh, hasn't been felt yet. But when the virus goes away and the elections come around, the, the economy is going to be probably the number one thing that everybody focuses on. The government caused it all. The government caused the lockdowns unnecessarily. The government's caused everything. You know, your state and local governments were the ones that locked everything down. They, re- they were the ones that did that, killing businesses, destroying them. There are some very legitimate issues going on here, ladies and gentlemen, and it should not be understated, okay? It really shouldn't be. But the narrative is going to shift, and we're going to start moving away from the virus, which is a positive thing. And, uh, and now we, we will start to really deal with the very real issues that are actually going on, the real problems that we should have been focusing on in the first place. The issues that I've been talking about, banks are positioning themselves, they're, 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 they're tightening their lending standards. Typically, the banks don't have tight lending standards normally. Normally, they have very loose lending standards because they know that if they experience any kind of issues whatsoever, they're basically going to be bailed out with taxpayer dollars. So when they start tightening their lending standards, they start uh, building up their loan loss reserves, cash reserves you know there's a problem banks don't do that unless there there is something really bad coming down the line okay so the economy is about to go into a spiraling out of control and no the 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 stock market i don't know if the stock market will ever represent this i think it will i think we'll see another dip I think we'll see another really, really large crash. I think we will. I think that these all new highs are what we call in the trading industry. We call that basically a false breakout. We we broke out of consolidation, but it was a false one. And I think we're gonna hit. I think we're gonna take a dive. I think the the, the stock market's gonna tank hard. But even if it doesn't. The stock market has never been representative of what's really going on. It hasn't really been that way for, I don't know, something like eight years now, something around those lines. It hasn't been representative of, of actual fundamental economic data for a long time. I mean, there are fundament- there are hedge funds, there are actual f- uh, funds out there that basically have, are closing their door saying that we... We're investing. Our strategies were based off fundamental analysis, economic data, and now that that is now that the Federal Reserve keeps coming in and buying stuff up, and you know keeping everything propped up, we we, we can't make money in this environment. So they're the, instead of con- constantly losing their customers' money, you know, and, and basically destroying their reputation, they're just shuttering their doors. That is happening, and that will continue to happen. So, anyways, guys. But look, it's a positive overall. Though there's a lot of positive stuff that's going on. You know, there really is. We are living in a wonderful opportunity. Look, these crashes and stuff. These are great opportunities to start looking to get involved with. They're start. They're awesome opportunity. They're going to present amazing opportunities. Massive amounts of wealth is going to be lost in this period, but massive amount of wealth is also going to be gained, but it's only going to be gained by those who are aware of what to look for. You know, that if the dip comes, it's going to present a really great opportunity to invest in the stock market for companies going on sale, uh, heavy discounts. You know, Apple and Tesla are also going, are having four for one stock splits as well. So if we hit an, if we tank the economy on top of those, those guys are going to be dirt cheap to buy. So, guys, look, there's a lot of really, really good stuff that's going to come out of this as well. It's not all doom and gloom. It never is. There's lots of opportunity. I just want you guys to be aware of this kind of stuff. But, hey, look, ultimately, you need to take control of the source of your income. You need to become financially free by doing this so that it doesn't matter what comes your way. You don't have to worry about getting laid off. You don't have to worry about getting fired. You don't have to worry at all because you now control the source of your income you are the master of your fate you are the captain of your soul right this is this is the higher purpose that we talk about here all the time and perhaps i don't i don't do as good of a job talking about it as i should i i really really should uh, but guys look this is the higher purpose this is my higher purpose this is why i'm doing this i want to take control of the source of my income become financially free so that i can one day go and i can one day get out there and basically have mobile income and move out of the United States and that and I want to teach every I want to show you every step of my journey and I want to sh- teach you by showing you me doing it how I did it so that you can do it too and hey if you're following along with me right now then start copying me don't let I me mean, you don't have to copy my subjects you know what I'm talking about but copy what I'm doing I have a podcast I've got it I'm working on a skill a very rare skill, learning how to do Forex trading, learning how to do options trading, learning how to invest, stuff of that nature. I've got pretty good skills with regards to personal finances. I'm really good at personal finances. I'm not, I'm not perfect, of course. I make mistakes. My wife and I make mistakes, but we've we've achieved some pretty phenomenal things with our personal financing and just ultimately managing our finances fairly well. I've gotten pretty decent returns in options trading with no back-tested strategy um, in the past. You know, I'm not doing that anymore, but you know, now I'm going to be backtesting strategies and stuff. So my returns hopefully will be even better now that I'm actually going to be doing it the right way. Uh, you know, so I mean, I, I, I've got a pretty good feel for what's going on in the economy, for what's going on in the markets. I've got a lot of different resources that I draw from that I heavily trust. You know, Mal, uh, John uh, Malden Economics, John Malden, he does a, a, a free newsletter, a Thoughts from the Frontline. I get most, a lot of my economic data comes from my, you know, comes from there. And then also I listened to the Wealth, Power, and Influence uh, show with Jason Stapleton. That a lot of economic data comes from there as well. And, you know, there's just a whole bunch of different resources I draw from. And I feel like as a result of drawing from all these very reliable resources, I feel like I've got a pretty good, you know, thumb on the, the pulse of the economy. I feel like I understand more so than the vast majority of people that are out there what's actually going on. And I'm, I'm fairly decent at looking at the technical analysis, looking at the charts and understanding what's really happening. Now, I'm not I'm not 100% accurate all the time, nobody is. But I feel like I'm fairly good at it. Okay? And I'm getting better at it all the time as I can t- constantly work on that skill, getting better at it all the time. And, and and not only that, but I also feel like I'm really also very good with economics. Now, I read a lot of economic books just for personal enjoyment. I just I really like it. I'm a def a huge enthusiast of Austrian economics and you know, I understand this stuff. I got a pretty good grasp on it. And I've read a lot of books on the subject and I'm reading more and more. My, I have a never-ending list on it. And yeah, I, I've, I feel like I've got a really, really good handle on economics as well. So I got a lot of these skills that I'm trying to use to help you guys get started on your journeys as well and to be aware of the risks, you know? I mean, that's what I'm trying to do here. But guys, look, hey, look, we need to become financially free. We all do. I'm doing it. You guys need to be doing it too. That means you need to take control the source of your income. And trust me, it is the best experience ever. It's hard to do all this necess- this kind of work and not have anyone paying you for it. But guys, look, seriously, you guys are going to be doing... It's going to be so freeing to know that you are in control of your life because you control where your money is coming from, not somebody else. And that's the amazing part. That's the amazing thing. And we we all need to do this because this is the only way to truly be free. If you were like me and you are one of the minority of the population of the world okay who believe, who desires freedom over safety and security because that's the way i do i desire freedom over safety and security and i know that freedom will provide me safety more safety and security because in reality what everybody else does they think they're being safe they they think they're being secure but in reality they're actually heavily they don't understand the real risks that are going on. This is why at the end of the show, I always say, know the risks plan accordingly, is because the vast majority of people don't really know the risks. They think that what they're doing is the safest and the most secure thing to do and the most reliable, and it just isn't. The reality is what they're doing is they're actually engaged in the most riskiest thing. Okay? They really are. The way they invest, the way the, who provides their income, it's the riskiest way of, of, of operating. It's the riskiest way of doing things. What I'm doing, taking control of the source of my income, it may seem risky. It's really less risky. It's a, it's a lot less risky. Of course there's risks. But in my opinion, it's a lot less riskier than that of, doing, of going out there and getting paid by somebody else and throwing all your money to a 401k and let someone else manage it for you. That's the riskier stuff. Unfortunately, so it, the vast majority of the world doesn't agree with me. But if you do, then you're in the right place. Start taking control of the source of your income. Start getting out there. Start do a podcast. You know, if you guys want to, I'll put the, 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 the link in the description below. You can check out Podbean. That's the, the podcast hosting service that I use. It's really not that expensive. It's really, really great. They even offer you the ability to take donations and stuff if you upgrade to, I think, their second tier subscription. It's really not that bad. So, hey, go check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes below. Also, on top of that, guys, if, if you're lacking in skill, Okay, you need you need a skill. You need a skill that people value go check out Skillshare.com. Skillshare.com is the great resource. They've got hundreds of hundreds upon hundreds of courses, anywhere from investing to options trading to Forex trading. They've got stuff on you know email, copywriting, website design, I mean, basically almost anything you could think of, they've got it. And I use it all the time. I really do. It's an absolutely amazing service. So I highly recommend that you go out there and, and get started with it. Normally, they give you like one to two months for free, depending on the deal that they're running. And it's really only like $100 for the entire year. It's really not that bad. So get out there, go ch- start checking that out. It's great stuff. And on top of all that, guys, the, 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 the courses are pretty high quality as well. So you don't have to be worried about that. But it's really, really great stuff. And hey, if you're strapped on cash, this is one of the best places to start, Skillshare.com. And of course, my show, my show is for free. So you know come to my show and I will talk about economics. We will talk about how to do stuff. You know, Obviously, if you want me to do courses on what I'm doing, then of course I can do that type of stuff too. That said, if you guys are interested in Forex trading, Guys, there's no better place than Tier 1 trading, my most humble opinion. Okay, that's my opinion. I've been trained by the guys at Tier 1 trading uh, with Akil Stokes, Jason Greystone, Charles Miles. I talk to Charles to this day. Absolutely amazing guy. He really is great. Guys, these these guys are amazing. They will teach you the art and the skill of trading. They will not turn you down a path. See, one of the, the, it, the worst issues when it comes to trading is that, you know, people, if you go out there and you, you buy a course, right, they'll teach you a, a strategy. They'll teach you a strategy, but in reality, what you really need to learn is you need to learn the skill. You need to learn how to come up with your own strategies. And that's just, tier one trading does that. It's not something you find a lot of people doing, but tier one trading does that. They will teach you all, like different pattern recognitions. They will teach you money management. They'll teach you a ton of stuff, okay? So if you're interested in that Go check out Tier 1 Trading. And hey, look, you guys want to follow me and everything. The best place that I could tell you guys to go, go to Locals.com. I will put the link in the show notes below. But basically, go check out local, my Locals group. If you guys want to be part of the commu- of my community of individuals who want to help each other become financially free, whether it's Forex trading, whether it's investing, options trading, whether you're, just, you're doing blogs, podcasting, you guys want to ask me questions on what I'm doing and stuff, you guys want direct access to me you know, go check out locals.com. Go, go so follow me and join my community. It's totally for free. It doesn't cost you a thing. I post my podcast episodes there. I'm trying to post my YouTube videos there as well. So if you guys want to be, keep up to date with what I'm doing, you know, go check it out. It's absolutely great. And, uh, currently it's, it, it's all for free. So, Hey, go get in now while it still is. So anyways, guys, Hey, If you guys, if you like the content, please consider sharing the show. Please, it's the biggest compliment you could ever do for me. Not only like the show, if you're on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you are, don't just make sure to like the show, but share it. Get it out there to as many people as you think are interested in listening. If you're on Facebook, Twitter, you know, hit the share button, you know, get, get, help me get this message of financial freedom out there because in the end, this is the only thing that's really going to fix our lives. It's not politics, okay? Politics is not the answer. This is the answer. Becoming financially free by taking control of the source of our income. That is the answer to truly taking control of our lives. And if you're a liberty-loving individual, and I believe you are because you're here, that's what you need to do. So if you're interested in that, go get out there, share it. And hey, if you like this, please consider leaving me a rating review on iTunes. I really should have been really pitching that more. Uh, I haven't really been asking you guys to do that, but hey, please do that. I know I'm asking a lot of you guys. You guys are absolutely amazing, but please uh, leave me a a rating review on iTunes. I don't think I have any (laughs) right now, but if you guys like what I'm doing here, and you, you guys like it and you love this message and you love, you know, the, how I come about and how I educate, how I teach economics and all that kind of stuff. If you guys are enjoying that, then please get out there and help me to just, just, just help me get the show out there. That being said, guys, that'll be it. That'll be it for the episode. So, hey, thank you for showing up. Love you guys. There's a lot to be looking forward to we were living the best time in the world I know sometimes I get a little bit depressing with some of the bad stuff going on it's just kind of the time that we're in but guys seriously try to filter through that information but know that we are living the best time in human history we are living in the most unique time there's so much stuff going on that's gonna greatly benefit our lives all we have to do is take you know, take those opportunities all we have to do is be be looking for those opportunities so guys, Thank you for being here, I love each and every one of you, and as always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.